Hello, film fans. It's been a week since we last spoke. Um, we are back doing an actual film analysis of this film. It's called Only God Forgives, if you can't see that from there, or if you're only doing the video. There is a good chance at this point when you're hearing or watching or doing both to this podcast that um, I will have rebranded the franchise. Uh, yeah, as previously mentioned on other pods, MMLP was a little bit hard to find, so we are changing the name, changing the brand, but keeping everything where it was already. So, oh my god, what is wrong with this microphone? Keeping all the... Jesus! Keeping everything where it was, so everywhere that you were already listening or watching, it will still be all in the same place, it will just be called something else. And hopefully it will be done by the time this podcast comes out. I won't say the name of the rebrand now, just in case I don't rebrand it in time for this podcast episode to come out. But without further ado, oh, by the way, I am hanging out my ass. I've got flu. I've had flu since Monday. It's now Saturday and my throat hurts. It's hard to talk. Um... I'm snotty, I've got headaches, <laughs> so I'm going to do my very best to deliver this podcast as best as I can, <laughs> please be gentle, anyway, let's get crack a lacking. this is Only God Forgives, with Nicholas, well, by Nicholas Winding Refn, the same guy who did Drive, which I've already covered, and it's also got Ryan Gosling in it, because when directors and actors like each other, they work together more, Scorsese, De Niro, Scorsese, DiCaprio, Tarantino, Sam Jackson, Guy Ritchie, Jason Statham. The list goes on. I like that title sequence. Straight away, already. <clears throat> one, of the th one of the things that stands out about this film is its absolutely insane use of lighting. Um, the cinematography and the lighting department are having an absolute whale of a time with this one. I've only ever seen this film once. And I watched it when I was living in a student house back in university in like maybe 2012, 2013. It was really shortly after it came out. And one of my housemates um, who I was watching it with was like, I swear I could write my dissertation just on this film's lighting alone. And she was probably right. You know, the lighting is insane. So this is the opening shot of the movie. This awesome red hue and these... Uh, sort of fighting iconography things in the background, you know, like you got that guy, um, like he's posed ready for boxing or Thai boxing or something. I can't remember where this film is set, if it's Thailand or... So it's set somewhere. Um, can you still say it's set somewhere oriental? Can you still say oriental or is that considered offensive? I just thought that was geographical. But it's set somewhere yonder. <laughs> I don't want to say anything offensive. I just it's set somewhere around that region of the world. How do you describe that region of the world? Asia? Yeah, it's set somewhere in Asia. There you go. Hey man, I'm ill. I'm the brain and computing go easy on me. How's that for a uh, a lighting setup though? Like we we know it's Ryan Gosling because he's one of the most famous stars in the world, but it's still keeping him a little bit secret to the audience which straight away creates intrigue because we're like well, who is he? What's going on? What's happening here? What's going on here? 
you know what word I'm going to say. It starts with sim and it ends with the mitri. And it's pronounced smitri. Look at that. Beautiful. Beautiful artwork. Oh, yeah. oh, and again, symmetry. Okay, I realize I should probably actually verbalize what we're seeing for those that um, are on the audio only. And if you are on the audio only, that's fine. That's fine. But um, you're missing out because, you know, we've got video now. Join the YouTube channel. Uh, yeah, so what it was, was it's a, we're in a Thai boxing ring. I'm, uh, is it Thai? I should really find this out, shouldn't I? Jesus Christ. We're in a boxing ring in a part of the world that people are fighting. In the boxing ring. I don't mean socially, just in the boxing ring. Uh, anyway, so they're doing like some sort of Mai Tai fighting or whatever. But the shot was, you know, it's all dark and there's all these red lights and orange hues and things and keeping everything nice and sort of secretive, like behind the scenes and everything, which builds the intrigue. But it's apparent quite early on when you see a guy getting his gloves laced up, like, oh, the, this must be behind the scenes of some sort of fight. Ryan goes and takes him out into the boxing ring. And then every all the audience and everybody cheering all around the outsides of the ring that's in the middle of the room is in that same dark red sort of mystique. And then the ring is very nicely brightly lit. We get a shot side on from one of the sides of the square ring. And uh, it just looks at the two fighters with the referee in the middle. The ring sort of takes up the bottom half of the screen. And then in the background is this awesome mural of this kind of um, dragon type figurehead thing in a black and white kind of no sorry black and red kind of painting um and it just looks really really nice and now we're on a bird's eye view of one of the fighters being absolutely sparked on the floor and because of the artwork on the floor and the ring ropes it's uh, very nicely symmetrical so already just some stunning imagery to get us started See, and there, we just had a shot of uh, Ryan Gosling on the side with his fighter waiting for his turn to get into the ring. And the shot on Ryan was below, looking up towards his face, which, as we've established in other films, is a status thing. And then Ryan sort of pats the guy on the head and like ruffles his hair as if to say, you'll be all right, kid. So straight away, we have we've been presented with his status. We know he's important. He's likely in charge of at least that fighter. Possibly more. This nice little track shots happening. There's a lot of movement shots happening. Like shots tracking across the side of the ring. Ryan Gosling's walking about now. He's probably got business to do. Businessman, a proper businessman. So he's like, you know, walking along, just tracking shots. Just good work, tracking shots. That's it. See so, you now, we haven't really had any music. We've only had. The sounds of the audience cheering and, and hooping and hollering. Um, and then as that woman started making her way through the crowd, there was a shot where none of the extras and audience members shouting and cheering are in focus, but she's in focus and she's walking through the crowd. So straight away your eyes drawn towards in focus. Ah, that's, you could say it's the focal point. She makes her way through the crowd. She starts talking to this guy, and as she's making her way through the crowd, we get our first bit of music, and it's this slow build of, I don't, I'm don't i not sure what instruments they are, they're definitely sort of Asian instruments, so I, I don't know what they are, sorry, I'm not uh, cultured enough for that, um, but it's almost kind of, they're almost like, 
I want to say they're like intrigue building, mystery building instruments, you know? Like when you hear, you might hear like a really harsh minor tone violin and you're like, that straight away sort of makes you think like, oh, something horrible is happening or something associated with horror. Or you might hear a nice gentle plinky plonky on a piano and it, that might make you think, ah, oh, something romantic is happening. The instruments that were being heard then for me, and the way that they were being played, at least in that particular part of school, was very like, oh, something, something sneaky is happening right now. And the fact that then they are talking in hushed tones to each other and giving a few looks about just makes you think, yeah, something sneaky is happening. <clears throat> so my point is the director's using a lot of, look, look at these head nods. See, something sneaky is happening. An exchange of goods perhaps. So my point was that the director's using sound and camera work and, you know, subtlety amongst the actors to to showcase that. Are you kidding me? Look at that shot. Okay, so for those on the audio only, there's some sort of like, um, it's not like a, it's not a wall or a window, but there's some sort of like cut work in the bricks and things. Just go on the YouTube channel, Jesus Christ. But whatever Ryan Gosling has lent against um, is not a solid wall, so there's a nice little pattern on it, there's light coming through behind it. The room he's in is completely pitch black, and the, the orange light from what's behind him that he's leaning against is coming through, so it's silhouetting him. There's some red and orange shit happening in the top corner and the side. Straight away, that's mysterious, but it's... Just look at it, man. Oh, it's not quite symmetrical. Slightly off symmetry, but... It just makes me want to go, what's happening in that room? I don't know, if I press play, I'll be able to find out. Ooh, they just did some, like, uh, post-fight business transaction, right? And everyone's, you know, slightly shrouded in, in shadow. The other guy that he's talking to, character yet established, he may be Ryan Gosling's brother. I can't remember, but he referenced it. He was like, oh, my brother's right, you are a good fighter to the fighter guy. Fighter guy since left. And he's walked up to Ryan and said, um, time to meet the devil. And then, so since the, the score had was absent again, there was no music, and he said, time to meet the devil. And then we get like a... Not, not like some sort of poor imitation of Mongolian throat singing, just what I meant was this, this um, tone within the score. I don't know what instrument it was, just started to build slowly. So you're like, uh-oh, they're meeting the devil. It's obviously, <clears throat> pardon me, it's obviously a fictitious devil. What is it? <laughs> no, like a figurative devil. Um, but still, if someone's referred to as a devil and then it's accompanied with a score like that, okay, this is what I meant by his shadowed, so we haven't really seen him probably clearly either. But... Right. So, we got this red at the top, right? The, the orange light that you might associate with you know, heaven or, or something good is on that side. And we got this boxing iconography thing over here. Does this red at the top maybe represent that what Ryan Gosling and this fella and everybody are doing are in the underworld? You know, they're maybe not doing things that are nice. 
he's about to exit what we call exiting stage right. So he's going to walk off to his right. That's what that means, if you didn't know. Simple, isn't it? He's going to exit stage right. He's going to walk away from that, the salvation, the heavenly thing. He's going to walk towards the violence. Am I reading way too much into it? Maybe. But that's what movies are all about. Reading whatever the feck you want to read into it. <coughs> See? See, he's walking towards the violence now. Now he looks like a fish out of water because they've always been surrounded by red things and, or at least, you know, oranges and yellows. Things more closely on the colour palette to red. Like his t-shirt. Now he's somewhere blue and he's looking a little bit lost. Coinkadink? I think he noted ink. Okay, so, just to update people on where we're at with the story. We're only like less than 20 minutes, just under 20 minutes in, and I've said so much shit about this movie already. Sorry, 20 minutes into the podcast. Fuck knows how far we're into this, like three minutes into this film. Um, I've lost all sympathy and respect for this guy. So... He walks into a... Oh, we are in Bangkok, by the way, so I w was right that they're Thai boxing. I'm glad I cleared that up for myself. Uh, he walks into a brothel. Um, he asks the bloke, the uh, the pimp, I suppose, the proprietor of female services. He asks uh, him, them, if uh, they have any 14-year-olds because he would like to... In his words, fuck one. So straight away I'm like, uh, no. Uh, the bloke's like, can't accommodate that, mate. We What you see is what we got. He bottles the pimp, runs to where the uh, prostitutes are, and just starts attacking them. And now he's stumbling around on his own. So fuck this guy. Fuck this guy. I'm pretty sure he gets fucked, but fuck this guy. <clears throat> However, this is a nice shot sequence of him walking along on the camera. Definitely on some sort of track because we're not getting any wobble. It's just a very smooth thing across. He's been in central frame the whole time. There's been some nice sort of um, mise-en-scene and, and set up and things behind him. It's just a well-constructed shot. That's all it is. Well, it might be more than that, but I haven't read anything into it yet. Uh, see, I remember this becomes, oh, I'm about to blow my nose and I ran out of uh, normal tissues, so I'm using toilet roll. Don't judge me. I said don't judge me. What's wrong with you? Um, I remember this, this particular image becomes um, a reoccurring theme. And uh, let me blow my nose quick. These hands... What is that a reference to? Good God. Anyway, look at the colours. Look at how it's set up. It becomes important later on. I forgot what I was going to say about it because I had to blow my nose. <coughs> yeah, he's looking at his own hands again. He's got that boxing iconography right behind him. I'm starting to think that maybe this... Um, the ever-present figure of this boxing statue... Is that some sort of, um, I don't know, is it like a man test? Like, 
are you strong enough? Are you brave enough? Can you stand up for yourself, your family, whatever? Because I'm pretty sure that ends up being one of the themes of this movie is like, um, stand not standing up for your family and as simplistically as that, but you know, being some sort of defender or something. So maybe him looking at his hands, he's questioning like, do I have the power or the ability or whatever it is? You know, can I? Is he doubting himself? But so beautifully lit, man. I remember this dude being fucking terrifying. But in his stature, you might not think it. That's the sign of a good actor, though. Someone... Look at that stare. Look at that cold, callous stare. There's so much going on behind his eyes. That's the mark of a good actor. When you, when someone who can, who doesn't have the physical stature, like this guy, but can intimidate with, or 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 hold court or hold power, with, you know, a look, an expression, like someone like Bricktop in Snatch. Yeah, he gets some monumentally exquisite monologues to deliver that convey that but he still has to sell it it's all well and good at being on the page but if you can't sell it this guy you already know we just saw a shot of him walking slowly along an alleyway now walking towards what we assume is a crime scene it's where the last place we saw ryan gosling's brother there's a police car outside it with the red and blue flag. that's funny how that's sort of a universal thing across the land across the land jesus christ across the world to have the red and blue flashing lights of the emergency services I noticed that sirens change the noise of sirens change depending on country to country but it always seems to be red and blue that's weird isn't it anyway so we know that they're in some sort of crime scene um, you know the there's police and everything everywhere but look how cold this lighting is it's probably the coldest lighting we've seen in the film so far. And what that suggests to me is that, you know, either someone's dead or something horrific has happened because any sort of warmth or life has been stripped away from the lighting palette, which up until this point has been so, not necessarily bright, but it's been very rich. Yep, and she dead. Does anyone remember that Reginald D. Hunter thing? Oh, it's such a funny joke. Sorry, just reminded myself of it. Um, when he, If you don't know Reginald D. Hunter, YouTube him. But I'm going to butcher the joke. But he's like, um, oh, yeah, he did. And then someone goes, oh, you mean he died? And he goes, yeah, he did die. Nah, he did. <laughs> this is an interesting shot. Um, what we can only imagine is probably the, the poor victim's father or, or something um, has just been led up the stairs by that officer and the camera was here looking at them come up the stairs this is a stairwell if that wasn't apparent by the stairs and it's just panned across to the side and they've gone behind this pillar it's not followed them in and for me that's sort of like a um they're going you know sort of like beyond that police barrier where the public aren't allowed to see you know whenever there's a crime scene or something it's you public stays over there officers or whatever can 
can go on through. So it's holding us back from being able to fully witness. That's a very interesting shot, which I feel is like going to be what I say every time I pause this movie. That's an interesting shot. So, uh, what do you call it? Recompense? I suppose. For his violent crimes is happening within that room. And the camera is just slowly tracking backwards down this hallway, away from the violence. Someone's clearly beating the living crap out of him, uh, as is apparent by that silhouette just in the in the doorway there. We keep seeing like someone swing something down. You know, we just see this silhouette shadow of them swinging something down. And everything in that room is red, so we know that there's badness in there. There's violence in there. And obviously everything up here is a bit lighter and the camera's tracking back away from it. It's just a just a cool shot, man. Sorry, it was an interesting shot. Just pausing it there on that awesome shot of Ryan Gosling. Um but we yeah, it's through um the sort of the story and the script. Uh, it's very apparent that um this the villain the dude I was talking about earlier, the the guy with a menacing stare. He doesn't fuck about. So uh, a prostitute gets killed by Gosling's brother. He asks the father of that prostitute to kill that dude. And then you think, oh, okay, things are done. And then we cut, just then we, we cut to him basically on his knees with car headlights on him, still covered in blood. Uh, and the... I don't know the guy's name, but the sort of criminal overlord dude um, cuts off one of his hands as a sort of like, don't let this happen to your other three daughters kind of thing. And it's, you'd think, oh, maybe the other guy sort of redeemed himself having killed the other dude, but no, no, he's still going to take one of his limbs. So that being part of the story just emphasizes the fact that that dude does not fuck about at all so look again at the lighting in this film like you know those two those two sat there or stood there whatever but then just look just take that in just ah the lighting okay so don't judge me for pausing it right here but they're getting a little bit intimate, her and Ryan Gosling are getting intimate. The reason I'm pausing it here is, right, so Gosling was sat on a chair, she produces two, like, rather long ribbons, and he's got his arms, I don't know if you can see my, my chair here, but he's got his arms sort of like that on the um, armrests, and she ties, like, one ribbon over one of his forearms, same on the other side. Uh, she, she then sits opposite him, and the reason I pause it here... <coughs> is because you know how I mentioned earlier that Ryan Gosling was shot from below giving him status. She's now been shot slightly from below, ever so slightly from below, which, you know, he's now restrained to a chair. So she has, like, the power in this scene. So she's been shot from below, sort of showing that she's got more status over him, and the shot, the reverse shots on him are more square on. So maybe it's not as an extreme angle below it, at her because maybe in their with their relationship outside of the bedroom or something maybe he's the more the, the you know the the dominant one or whatever 
you know, I don't know if it's being a bit basic as, you know, like man's in charge, woman's not, whatever. I don't know if it's suggesting that, but maybe that's why the angle's not as extreme, you know, if it could be much more down on her. I don't know, I just thought it was an interesting perspective. See, then the shot on him is a lot more, you know, um, I was going to say plateaued. I don't know what the, if something's looking up or if it's looking down or if it's in the middle, I don't know what that word is. <laughs> Whatever that word is, that's what that is. The music is oddly sad right now. So says, well, we're 15 minutes into this movie and Ryan Gosling so far has said the word, okay. No, not okay. He said go. That's all he said. Look at that lighting though. I know I need to stop pausing every moment to talk about the lighting because we're only 15 minutes into this movie. But look at that lighting though. <sighs> I just remembered what scene this is. <laughs> I completely forgot that this happens at least once. I think it happens twice throughout this film. But again, just look at how everything there is set up. How you can see every member of the audience. So the first AD, because they normally organize extras and, you know, uh, people that aren't the main cast. They'll normally organize them, you know, for the director or the cinematographer or whatever. So look how they're all sat. Look at the... They've all got these little lights on their table, so they're slightly illuminated. We've got these red lights over there. We've got these blue lights. Just an absolute majestic setup. Ah, oh, just I'm just taking that in for a minute. Look at that. And, like, it doesn't have to do much more than look lovely. You know, like I said a minute ago, I was, I was reading quite a lot into that thing, like, is he leaving the light to go towards the darkness? Um, you can read stuff into that anywhere. Someone could probably read a lot into this, you know, like, with all that red above them. Again, are these men in some sort of underworld? Um, you know, is that small amount of bright white light there reminiscent of what small amount of soul they have left in them maybe it is maybe it isn't maybe it just looks fucking cool sometimes that's all movies need to do is just look fucking cool look how fucking cool that looks yeah i absolutely love sorry so it's just cut around to see what that audience were looking at and it's the head honcho criminal overlord guy um about to sing some karaoke, and he's beautifully symmetrical there in in that shot. Well, near enough symmetrical in that shot. Um, I just love from from his like character point of view that the way he lets off steam after he's like cutting people's limbs off and dealing with dead prostitutes and all of this, that, and the other, and dishing out like what do they call it? Is it corporate punishment where you kill someone if they've killed someone? I don't know, he's just doing all that criminal shit. The way he lets off steam is to go sing karaoke. I love that as a character choice. That's, uh, or, you know, from the writer, or they wrote that in, not this guy chose. He probably didn't turn to Nicholas Winding Refn and be like, hey, it would be a great idea for my character if he does some karaoke. Yeah, you get me. And uh, 
Yeah, so uh, I paused that at quite a good time because hopefully you can see those subtitles. He's singing in what I can only assume is his native tongue, Thai, because we are in Bangkok. I, I don't know. But uh, luckily there's a translation. And like I say a minute ago, he was a very dark, you know, criminal empire kind of guy, you know, dealing out murders, prostitutes, the rest of it. All the lyrics to this song are so tender. So, look, my heart still treasures those sweet memories. And he's singing it very well, and he's singing it with, like, you know, a passion. Like, these words mean something to him. Look at his expression. You could tell he's, like, he's thinking about the person who resonates with him with those words. If that was a sentence that made any sense. You feel me? You may not feel me. You probably wouldn't want to film me right now. You'll catch the flu. So, do you understand me? With your words and mind. This is the brightest we have seen anything in this film so far. Look at these bright white lights. This glamorous woman coming in. I'm pretty sure she's Ryan Gosling's mother in this. Pardon me. So, does this say a lot about her as a character? Does she maybe remove herself from... Uh, the criminal underworld. Is she trying to avoid it? Is she trying to rise above it? She's obviously very glamorous. This is a very glamorous, posh hotel. She's dressed very, you know, rich white lady. So, establishing. We're establishing. So it's a very nice wide shot as well. Encompassing that glorious marble desk. I just realized who that is. It's um, Jax Teller's mum from Sons of Anarchy. Love this actress. If you haven't watched Sons of Anarchy, do. It does falter between season three and four, but the last few in the first couple, exquisite TV. And she's wicked in it. Um, I just want to comment on the dialogue. Sorry, this is why I paused this. So, like I said, rich white lady walks in. The woman behind the desk goes... Very nice greeting, like, oh, hello, how are you? How can I help? She just coldly says, I'm checking in. Woman, oh, okay, yep. Yeah. Takes her information. Goes, oh, I'm very sorry. Uh, the room won't be ready until whatever. She just pauses for a minute. Looks really, just doesn't say anything. Just stares at her. And then just says, get your manager. Proper Karen right here. So straight away, we know exactly what kind of character we're dealing with. Just... And all she said is two word, uh, two sentences. So the point is, no wasted dialogue. Smart writing. <clears throat> That's an interesting shot. So we had a few um, establishing shots a minute ago uh, in this marketplace of all the players that were there. Let's say players, you know, the, the people involved in the scene. So there was Gosling, there was Gosling's mate who was also mates with his brother. Um, there was the dad who lost his arm, what we can assume are some of his daughters. And they've all just disappeared into that uh, dark room there on the, on the right. And the camera that's sort of in this, uh, not alleyway, but it's in this like corridor of this um, four-way junction here has just slowly crept closer and closer to the middle of the junction as they were disappearing in there. Which is sort of showing us that, like, we're trying to follow these guys into this 
some I don't know. It just gives it the opinion, the opinion gives it the impression that it's some sort of like secret meeting or or something uh, important that maybe we shouldn't really be privy to. Um, but we're like you know trying to sort of follow it in. It's just a interesting shot. Maybe it doesn't read that into it at all. Maybe you read something else into it. Maybe I haven't actually said anything worth noting, but I like the shot. That was a great use of sound just then. So Ryan Reynolds is, sorry, Ryan Gosling is slowly loading a revolver. And he says to the guy with him, ask him why he killed my brother. So then this guy asks him, sorry, this the other guy asks him and doesn't say anything. And then he's finished putting bullets in the revolver. And then to prompt a reaction from him because he's not said anything, he does that cool thing where they like flick the revolver to the side so that the uh, wheel falls into place so you get that and that sort of like startles this guy just really cool use of sound this was the shot by the way so you see he's holding the revolver in there is he wearing white to be some sort of like bringer of justice or is it just a coincidence i don't know there's been a lot of odd freudian things happening here um is this worth going into? Yeah, fuck it. If you know if you know anything, I don't know a lot about Freud. Um, but I know he has that is it the Oedipus complex? Um where people's relationships with their mother is a direct well or with their father is like a direct correlation of um their sort of sexual preferences, right? So we had a shot earlier where is this too weird to get into? This might be too weird to get into. Either way, there's some interesting themes <laughs> happening throughout this movie. Um, so we had that... Oh, fuck it, I'm not getting into it. It's weird. There's just themes. There's themes and stuff happening in this movie regarding Ryan Gosling, this person here who is this sort of like love interest or at least the person he keeps doing sex with. Doing sex. Um, and then it, it was weirdly cut into shots with his mum um so if you know anything about freud or the oedipus complex and you've seen this film or you want to rewatch this film or you want to watch it for the first time just bear that in mind because it's weird and it's uncomfortable and i can't be fucked to get into it um it's just weird weird themes to explore but really great use of sound just then so ryan gosling is um following the criminal empire police officer dude and he's walking away from him, you know, down the streets, go through the marketplace, and the music is getting more and more intense and more and more suspenseful. Um, the further he gets away from him, and the more panicked Ryan Gosling looks, like he's going to lose sight of him. Um, it's just a nice use of score. Okay, so not only has this been a really nice shot trekking across, as this guy's been walking from left to uh, left to right. From right to left. Um, it's, it's a really nice shot. You know, you've got the sunset, etc. And that sort of... Is that sunset or twilight? Doesn't matter. Um, and as he's sort of twirling his sword around. I don't know if it would have been diegetic, if you remember that. Uh, but the... You can hear like the... Of the blade sort of scything through the air. So that might be something that the... Um, sound department adds in in post-production or you know the editor adds in in post-production um, but it's just little bits like that that 
you know, or like when he pulled it out of its sheath, you hear the like, ching. That might be something that was caught diegetically when they filmed it, or it might be something that gets added in in post. But these are just nice little things you can add on, you know, in post or something. When we say in post, if you don't know, it's post-production. So that's normally during the editing and the color grading and the sound and the mixing and everything like that. Okay, so Ryan Gosling and um, his partner just walked in through this doorway. Amazingly symmetrical. Hopefully we'll get a reverse shot on how his mother was sat at the table waiting to see them because that was also very nicely symmetrical. Yeah, oh, now they're all in there. So look at the symmetry in that scene. Everything down to like the wine glass is near enough, near enough. But look how look how awesome that scene is. Yeah. This is something this film keeps doing, which is pretty cool. Um not necessarily always during the same theme. Like now there's some sort of um business ex exchange happening or an exchange of information, a, a passing of monies. Um, but it happened earlier when the father of the um, the prostitute who died at the beginning of the film, sorry, was killed by an asshole at the beginning of the film. Um, when he sort of started to plead for mercy from Ryan Gosling, and now during this um, information or business exchange, the the dialogue is absent from the audio, and instead it's replaced with a score. So we can't hear what's being said. We just see, you know, the actors' performances and and have a score that denotes the the emotion or the theme. So in this sense, the the music is like earlier on when the guy was pleading for his life. The music was a bit reminiscent of that, uh, and now the music is a bit more uh, mysterious. Uh, you know. It's hard to describe music, uh, <laughs> you know, when it's from a score. Uh, but yeah, the music is a bit more what you would expect to hear during a scene of um, of crime. There you go. And again, it's stunningly lit. The sound in this scene has been fantastic. So this is the really violent torture scene um, where this fella is talking to the British guy with the sort of slick back hair, uh, trying to find out who put out the hilt on him. And, pardon me. And, um, uh, so when he stabs the uh, chopsticks or hairpins or whatever they are into his forearms to sort of pin him to the chair, it's a real sharp, loud, sort of, you know, violent, but I mean violent in terms of like the the volume of the noise coming down, like a ching, as it sort of sticks into him. And then as he's walking around the the place looking for more sharp implements, like that, that he's found there, there's a real slow build of like a sort of a held note. You know, like a, when you go to the cinema or whatever and they have that like Dolby sound where it showcases how amazingly powerful the sound is it's like and it like just gets louder and louder it's, it's not as grandiose as that it's a lot more sinister and dark probably like a minor key note uh, or chord that's being held but that's slowly building up and building up which is just increasing the sort of tent 
this tension and sense of like dread uh, about you know more pain that's coming the sky's way. <clears throat> and again, when he just pulled those sharp implements out from that bouquet of sharp implements and flowers, there was like a shing. So again, just adding in those little uh, sound effects. Oh my god! <laughs> so <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing at it. It's just the juxtaposition is very funny. <laughs> So, he was just torturing this guy in the most horrific way to extract information. And, like, the last thing we see is he's he's cut the dude's eyes so he's blind. He's stabbed him through the forearms, pinning him to the chair. He's stabbed him in both the legs. Uh, he's fucking this dude. This dude's life has changed now if he survives. He's, he's going to have to adapt to basically being disabled and the last thing we see is him skewering this thing into his ear and the guy's like ah screaming at the top of his lungs um and then it just cuts to karaoke time <laughs> i'm sorry that <laughs> that's the juxtaposition that was making me laugh like why <laughs> It's just how he blows off steam after doing some diabolical shit. This is just... The <laughs> Dude, I can't even. Um, I will say, though, just a minor critique is... Maybe it was a directorial choice or an acting choice, but the only reaction that that guy seems to give when he's getting tortured is just to scream at the top of his lungs, and maybe that's what the director wanted. Could have done with a little bit more variation, you know? I wanted some more variety in my torture. That's what I wanted. <laughs> no, I just felt like it reached a level of... Okay, because... That, that's to do... That scene is to do with suspense, right? And I, I believe I heard Quentin Tarantino talk about suspense as being an elastic band. And the heart, the further and tighter you can stretch that elastic band, the the more tense and suspenseful the the scene as a result so in that moment this the tension is how long can this guy withstand the torture um otherwise it just turns into torture porn which you know has its place in cinema but i personally look for something a little bit more uh with a bit more substance to it so if the so the like I said about the music that was building up very nicely, creating that sense of tension and dread. But when you have the 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 victim already at fever pit fever pitch, there's nowhere else for him to go. He's already maxed out. So if that becomes more of a a build, you know maybe they could have included some begging because he sort of was just um, what's the word defiant he was just defiant he, fuck you i'm not telling you anything i'm not telling you anything and then ah screaming about it and then straight back to fuck you i'm not telling you anything and then he, the guy does something else to him and he, there could have been a little bit more room for some variety there but hopefully you get what i mean but i think it's a valid point
So we know this guy's the big bad. Ryan Gosling is wearing some sort of like navy blue, dark blue suit. Um, and he's lit with more blue tones. Um, so that could be showing that he is the, uh, you know, the, I guess, the good here. And then this guy's lit with that red hue on his face. Slightly shadowed, giving him like a dark, uh, almost furrowed brow. And then he's dressed in his sort of... Um, majoritively black uh, shirt thing so you get the sort of the the bad against the good simple lighting but effective oh and then that contradicts my point because he's lit with the same fucking light so there we go look at that fucking shot look at that the symmetry just fantastic and as it cut to it that classic sort of like um what do you call it you know that uh, neon synthy sounding music that I tend to associate with a lot of Nicholas Wonding Refn films. You know, it's the Drive soundtrack. You know, that kind of like synth pop stuff that was happening. This is a little bit more up tempo, but a similar genre. And it just cut to that, so you know shit's about to go down. But look at that shot, man. See, for like I said earlier on, for ages throughout this film, there's been. Um, images of Ryan Gosling with his hands, you know, uh, one way or another, he's looking at his hands, he's pondering, like, do, am I strong enough? Do I have the strength, the ability? Well, at least that's what I was uh, projecting onto it. Uh, and now he's holding him up, he's juking him up. Now is the time for him to test his manhood. I think that's one of the key themes of this film is like his uh, his pride, his manhood. Can he do what's right? Can he defend his family? Or, or can he make the the more intelligent moves? Does it always come down to violence? Um, and a lot of that is sort of reflected between him and his mother's character. You know, she's quite domineering and controlling um, and sort of mocks his lack of, like, alpha manhoodness. So this is like his sort of shot to prove himself or redemption kind of thing. I'm pretty sure those are some of the themes throughout this movie. But it's easy to lose sight of that amidst all the neon lights and the violence, I suppose. <clears throat> now, after he's quite quickly dispatched Ryan Gosling... I'm pretty sure Gosling didn't even land a punch on him any time he went to punch him initially. At the start of the fight, it's an interestingly choreographed fight, like a dance, right? There's the best fights you'll see on screen have choreography that's like dance level good. And what I mean by that is it tells a story, okay? Sometimes it will just be a kick-ass fight scene, but most of the time it'll tell a story. It... it to equal a good fight, or at least a good storytelling fight, right? If you want to watch a good fight, just watch UFC. But if you want to watch a story-driven fight, movies. Anyway, so in this fight, like I said at the start, it started with the shot similar to this where it's Ryan Gosling, it's his chance to prove himself. Ryan Gosling throws a few boxing, like Western boxing style uh, punches and things. This guy just moves out the way, doesn't even raise his hands, just ducks, dips, ducks, dives and dodges. Great film. And, uh, evades them and then throws a few counters knocks Ryan Gosling about a little bit Ryan Gosling tries something else tries to throw a knee this guy counters that swings around hits him with an elbow 
fucks Ryan Gosling up. Ryan Gosling gets up off the deck and then he starts attacking. So we've had Ryan Gosling's attacking, not landing a single blow. This guy dodge, 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 counter, dodge, counter. And now it's like, okay, now it's my turn, as in his, now it's his turn to fight. So he starts throwing kicks, elbows, knees, just, and Gosling hasn't got, he's not got an answer to it. Just, just takes his lumps, you know, gets the living crap beaten out of him. And then once Gosling's finally on the deck, like I said, happens quite quickly. He just dispatches him. He's on the deck. He's done. He's out. The fight is over. We then get this shot on him mirroring Gosling's shot. Where So if that was Gosling going, it's my turn to prove that I am, you know, the alpha here. Now, this guy was the alpha all along. Like I say, small in stature, but it ain't the size of the dog. Ain't the, ain't the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog, perhaps. But he is, he's the Mac Daddy. He's the one in charge. Old karaoke king over here. Okay, my mistake. The The fight did go on a little bit longer, but it continued in theme. You know, that guy either kicking the fuck out of Gosling or Gosling trying to hit him and missing, and that guy continuing to counter and, and beat the fuck out of him. Had a few cutbacks to this boxing figure that we haven't seen since early on in the film, and it started close up on his face, and it's just been tracking out, tracking out, getting to a wider shot. So now we're in a mid shot of that boxing figure. Um, and every time it's cut back to it, it's just been pulling further and further back. So maybe that symbolizes something. What does that symbolize to you? Because I can't think what it symbolizes to me. What well, is interesting there. So now we're back at the, the shot that this fight sequence started with, where we had um, Karaoke King stood there, and now we have Ryan Gosling laid there on the same side. Um, and there was a little face-off between the mother and the Karaoke King. Um sort of like the two heads of the both sides of these like sort of criminal empires pardon me um you know sort of squaring off she chickens out walks away may my i think it's my uh gosling's like you know love interest sees her man beat the fuck she leaves so it's like the two sort of women in his life maybe they view him as like a failure does that say something about his uh you know want to sort of you know, be the man, be the alpha in that scenario. Does it play on that theme? Uh, and then the Karaoke King's just left screen uh, on, well, screen left, his stage right, uh, and left Gosling there on the floor. So a lot of mirroring of, of shots. Ryan Gosling is so good at being stoic, but and barely looking like he's doing anything, but showing you so much. Uh, it's a mark of a good actor. I've definitely spoken about this before in other podcasts, that sometimes I feel there's a bit of a trend in, in Hollywood lately for actors to really reach for the emotion. Like if they're supposed to be sad or scared, they want to take that straight to 10. Whereas there's something to be said for the more old school um, method of acting, and I don't mean method acting. Uh, where actors will just be, just exist. Robert De Niro, Marlon Brando, they'll just be. They don't need to, like, oh, I'm so sad, look at me, 10 out of 10 being sad. They'll just, you know, hum at maybe a 5, maybe a 6. You know, for 
could be any sort of reasons. It could be something as simple as, you know, um, men sort of not being allowed to cry. So, you know, in societal terms, I cry at fucking everything all the time. I don't care. But the general sort of rule of thumb in society is like men should be strong and, and not cry. So it might be something like with someone like Robert De Niro or, or Brando, they maybe don't want to oh, this is me crying at a 10, this is me crying at a 5, because it's their character is conscious of not being able to cry in a social setting. It could be something like that. But Gosling uh, is, I think he's of that school. You know, he's of that, I don't want to overshare. I just want to hum at a, a certain frequency, and then it's up to the audience to project or interpret that project onto that or interpret from that, uh, whatever they feel it may be. Uh, but he also did this thing that I noticed Marlon Brando used to do, particularly, is it, I believe the film is One-Eyed Jacks, or it might be from uh, the film where he was a biker, really early on, black and white, uh, and he goes to a small town. I can't remember the name of that film, Jesus. Uh, but I'm pretty sure it's from One-Eyed Jacks anyway. He st stood down in the street and there's a guy sort of stood up on a on a porch, you know, a few steps up on a porch. And he asks him a question. I'm pretty sure it's One-Eyed Jacks actually because I'm pretty sure Brando directed the film and the scene that I'm talking about. Uh, and the guy says something to him and Brando just looks at him for ages. You know, he's asked him something. So in the script, it's Brando needs to respond. Brando just looks at him for ages like, And then he responds. So he, I don't know if that's maybe some sort of Meisner thing, or Meisner, a, a practitioner, if you're not aware, an acting practitioner, uh, where he, one of his sort of rules is don't do anything until something organically makes you do that. So it could be it's mostly the sort of organic behavior that the the person acting opposite you is is giving you something from them has to organically prompt you to respond. They call it the pinch and the ouch. Someone pinches you, ouch. It's the pinch and the ouch, right? Whereas someone wouldn't pinch you and then you 30 seconds later you go, ouch. You know what I mean? But if it's not as, you know, snap or violent as, as a pinch, um, I don't mean violent as in like pinching someone is a violent thing to do, I just mean it like it prompts an immediate response. Uh, you know, it could be something that that requires your character to ponder, or maybe it pisses off your character. So you you don't want to respond immediately. You're just digesting it, and then their impatience in waiting for you to respond prompts your response. Do you see what I mean? So they say something to you, and you're like, okay, let me ponder this, and then you'll observing their behavior and their behavior uh, shows an impatience in waiting for you and then you, you might sort of think and then you might respond and deliver your line but it might be with the sort of the attitude or the emotional undercurrent of I will respond to you when I'm good and goddamn ready and you will wait but the words you're saying might be completely different to them but yes we will have tea later okay with two sugars and a splash of oat milk. You see the undercurrent there. I hope I'm making this point clear. Um, 
but I feel like Ryan Gosling is very much in that school is that he won't he won't just respond for the sake of responding he'll really mull it over he'll take his time if he needs to he might respond earlier on in the film he asks his uh p- partner may to my sorry to um she says oh i don't want this dress you gave me and he says we'll take it off then they don't say anything else for a good 10 15 seconds he just looks at her and then all of a sudden he screams take it off that would have come from his observations of her behavior you know it could have been his him losing his patience with her not doing anything just staring at me why are you just staring at me why aren't you taking off this dress i told you to take off this dress take it off do you see what i mean great actor my point is great actor okay cool apart from the sofa and these futon coffee table looking things she pretty much died symmetrically isn't that nice <laughs> end of this film so fucked up man but we get more karaoke time so I guess all's well that ends well uh, let me take these headphones off alright well there we have it folks only God forgives uh, I think that bit that film was a bit of a um, like under the radar gem i really liked it uh, i liked it when i watched it years ago it's the first time i watched it for a, like i say probably nearly a decade uh it's really really weird really violent oddly it's you know spoiler alert but the villain sort of seems to win you know the crime boss the karaoke king he seems to win the whole sort of gosling family kind of gets got one way or another you don't often see that in films this is my point uh anyway i liked it um don't forget to rate review and subscribe uh and yeah this might potentially be the first episode of the rebrand so hope you enjoyed everybody